am picture I'm picturing everything that happens in Passion of the Christ, but just some big old like dog, some kind of dog, uh, like a Rottweiler, one of those real massive dogs in place of Jesus. <laughs> just I don't know. I just uh, hear the howling. So 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 they make the dog in that movie fetch its own cross. It fetches its own cross. And Judas Iscariot is a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's awful. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, or as I am known today, T-Dog. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Michael Houndleton. (laughs) Hi, everybody. (laughs) And for this episode we have a very very special guest returning to the podcast the pod father himself steven whitefang i gotta tell you i'm I'm so grateful you you asked me back to this pod you never call and then you call me on the day of of your hundredth episode, I'm, I'm I'm touched. I'm really touched. <laughs> we, we had to make a we had to make you a, an offer you couldn't refuse, Stephen. <laughs> it's, it's, it's beautiful. I love it. It's beautiful. Well, just as long as we remember to leave the gun and take the cannolis, I think we'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine then. Oh, I mean, just don't cannolis. you know be right under the radar. You'll be fine. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but no, seriously, Stephen, thank you for coming back and, and joining us for our 100th episode. Uh, you know, uh, we wanted to make it as special as we could, so why not bring back one of the original hosts of Kaiju Weekly? So thank you so much for taking the time to to come on with us. Well, thank you for the invite. I'm really, it just kind of blew my head when you said 100 episodes. I was like, wow, has it been that long? But Math adds up. Well, yeah. it's technically it's technically if you want to get if you want to count like bonus episodes and things like that, it's like a hundred and nine. But we're not counting those, so okay. But still, I mean, the but math still, adds it's, up. It's, I mean, the it's, math, it's the math is there. You're right. Yeah, and we're not counting the seven lost episodes that were ones I did before uh, Stephen came on uh, that were really not great and so that's why they're lost <laughs> they were test tries. they were fine yeah. they were fine yeah they were test tries like steven said they were test tries yeah yeah so but yeah i i just have to say for this 100th episode of kaiju weekly i am so happy not only to be able to do this podcast but to have both of you guys just on here because without both of you steven and michael this podcast wouldn't be here at all. And it's, it, this has been such a fun and exciting and sometimes stressful part of my life that I just, I, I wouldn't trade for anything. Well, you know, we, we appreciate it. Uh, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to speak for Steven, but I appreciate it. You know, it's, it's, um, 
it sticking with something like this for a hundred episodes when it was just supposed to be like, Hey, uh, Michael, can you fill in while Steven's out? Like, sure. Uh, you know, three or four episodes, it's fine. But you know, three or four episodes turned into 15 and then 15 turned into 30. And then I guess once I got trapped in the web, it's, it's hard <laughs> to get out. Once I got trapped in the matrix or the morphing grid or whatever, however you want to say it, I got, I'm, I'm stuck here, I guess. I'm the, you guys, the, the faithful Kaiju Weekly listeners are kind of stuck with me at this point. That's right. <laughs> and no, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to see that uh, you guys have thrived uh, and it's still going and everything's still uh, moving along. I've noticed uh, the numerous guests you've had on, people that I, I've kind of ran in those circles too. So I'm, I'm just glad to see that it's still going and still thriving. Yeah, I, I, to be honest with, like, to be honest with you, Stephen, what inspired the the having you back on was your episode that you did with our mutual friend uh brandon of the fake nerds podcast on his solo mm -hmm. show uh conversation i listened to that episode and the conversation was really good and i was like man i i, well, thank you. I wonder if i wonder if steven would be interested in, in coming and hanging out with us and uh just uh and talking about a movie for our for for our anniversary so here you are and i'm deeply appreciative for that well, thank you. I'm I, like I said. I'm glad to be here, and and I hate that I had to walk away, but you know things have gotten uh, busy, and they they continue to get busier, and uh, but it's it's all for for good. So at least yeah. I'm glad to know that again. My my absence didn't stop this from continuing. Oh yeah, and 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 we want to introduce anybody who may be new to this podcast or newer to this podcast, maybe joined in uh, after Steven stepped away. Uh, so uh, Steven, do you want to kind of introduce yourself, explain a little bit about maybe some of the other podcasts that you've been involved in? Cause I know you, know, you have your own podcast you, that you were doing mm -hmm. even before you started doing Kaiju weekly. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, the main, yeah, the main podcast that I, I'm known for is uh, super mega crash brothers turbo which sounds like a mouthful but trust me the more you say it the easier it gets that's that's my motto with that <laughs> uh and we are actually coming up on our 200th uh in sometime at the beginning of next year uh, i was hoping we, we would have landed it sometime this year but uh i wasn't about to cram all of our episodes in just to make something work i figured we'd get there naturally uh but in that time i have uh tried to continue on other projects. I've got a second podcast go that goes on, but not as frequent. It's more like whenever the other host is uh, available. Uh, it's called Cinema Salsa, and we kind of talk not just about movies in general, but kind of the broad scope of the movie industry. And that's been kind of a fascinating uh, take to do every now and again, because it's Actually, looking behind the scenes, I, I feel like it's a little bit more uh, unique than most movie podcasts because a lot of them they'll talk about whatever new movies come out and they'll kind of give the review. But this kind of gives us a, a, a different angle to talk about, but we can still kind of reminisce about whatever we've watched and things like that. Uh, there are two other podcasts that I have done uh, kind of as I've been doing Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo, but I've kind of allowed them to spread off into their own things so they can kind of stand on their own. And they are available in the uh, podcast zeitgeist, if you will. I don't know why I was struggling to, to come up with a word there. <laughs> uh, but, but it's, uh, as I recall it, which was kind of a, a secondary podcast that I would do short essays and stories and things like that. 
Uh, and I, I kind of wanted it to, to do its own thing. So I've kind of re-released them on Anchor. So now they have their own place. So they're slowly being re-released every month until whenever that becomes, uh, whenever I kind of hit where I've gotten and give me time to, to record any new ones that I come up with. And then I did one with my wife and I told her whenever she wants to uh, talk about anime, because that's her big deal. I kind of re-released her podcast on Anchor as well. And also kind of giving a little breadth of time to back up some episodes, kind of have some in the bank so it can kind of re-release on its own with the initial 13 that we did before and then have newer episodes as they come along. So that's what I've been busy with there. And uh, last thing that I've actually worked on as of late, that's actually related to the podcast is I released an animated series based on our podcast called Super Mega Crash Adventures, in which I took our little 8-bit avatars that you see in our weekly uh, episode icons and turned them into little adventures into video game worlds, which uh, I'm very proud of, but it's taken a lot of work. I've actually was started working on it back in 2018 and it's just now getting released. <laughs> yeah. Do you have yeah. a background in animation? I don't remember. I, I don't I remember did. that being part of your repertoire. I mean, that's great, but I don't remember that being part of your repertoire when we last spoke. I do not. This was just something that uh, I kind of observed and I looked at the uh, characterizations of, of our avatars. And I thought, you know what, I bet you I could, uh, I bet you I could animate these. And I just started kind of playing around with it until I figured out a method that works for what I'm doing. Okay. And it's, I, I got really obsessed with it too, to the point where the episodes, the first three that are out right now on YouTube, they are probably the most refined versions of those, even though, at some point, I would have been done with them at least a year or so ago, and mm. I would look back on them and I'd be like, you know what? I could do better. I could tweak this, or I could mm. do that, or just even just minor things. I mean, even mouth movements. Yeah. If I don't feel like it's syncing up proper, I'll get obsessed with it, and yeah. I'll spend however long it takes until I'm absolutely sure my mouth is moving to the words that I'm speaking. And that's that. Yeah. I remember when you, um, I remember that you, when you were working on that, cause I think we were doing the podcast at the same time that you were working on that. And, uh, yeah. So I'm really excited that you were able to get that, uh, those done and actually get it out there into the world. And it's just, it's, it's, so nice when you've been working on something for a long time and actually see it, you know, come to life. When Travis said that you were uh, a busy guy, I didn't realize how busy. And then, mm-hmm. then here you, then here you go. But yeah, good for you, man, for, for following through with all that stuff. Well, thank you. I mean, it's, like I said, it, it it's definitely time consuming. Um, but I, I want to always have that moment where I can look back on it and just at least have pride that I got it done. Yeah, And even if it yeah. only goes six episodes or something like that, okay, fine. But at least I got that done and I can look back on it fondly. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, we actually have a full episode planned for this week. So even though it's our 100th episode, we're still going to review a movie. We're still going to do everything that we normally do. But we are recording kind of early Uh, because of our schedules and everything so we're not going to be able to cover any news this week so no bdbd no no bdbd no bdbd Uh, 
But we are going to play a game. Okay, don't don't get all excited or anything, you guys. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll temper like, my expectations. <laughs> I feel like we just I feel like we literally just played a game. Like what did, like what are we going to do this time? Uh we uh yeah, we did actually just play a game because uh well, a couple of weeks ago with Jack. Um we're going to play the same game that we played with Jack, which is No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I wanted to, to I wanted to play this game because uh, we started playing games on the podcast more after Steven stepped away, uh, not because of Steven stepping away, but, but just to kind of fill in this time that we when we didn't have any news to cover, when we didn't have any giant monster uh, news. So we started playing games and this game we didn't actually ever get a chance to play with Steven when he was on here. so this gives him a chance to experience the chaos the fun the silliness that is guess the bad review hello michael i want to play a game Woo! every answer is going to be hot tub time machine (laughs) again uh (laughs) so the theme because i like to i like to pick a theme for guess the bad review and for no reason at all uh this uh the theme for this game is going to be dog related movies uh i said it's guess the bad review has gone to the dogs (laughs) i used to have a dog his name was willis and we um we named him after well, we my uh, my ex wife and I really loved Bruce Willis films, so we named him Brucey. His his full name was Brucey Willis, but we just called him Willis. Um, cool so story, he, bro. Okay, and uh, <laughs> I'm just, thanks. I'm I'm just, thanks for just stepping all over my heartfelt story, man. My, you know I'm what? I'm kidding. done. I'm li- <laughs> uh, Stephen. You please. can ha- you can have it back. I'm done. <laughs> please, please tell me that once, just once, you looked at your dog and said, "What you talking about, Willis?" We please did. tell me you did that. No, okay. we did. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely did. <laughs> oh man, what kind of dog was Willis? Uh, a mutt. Oh, okay. So he was like a, I think he was a, he was a miniature, a miniature collie and some kind of terrier mix. I, I have no idea. Ah, okay. Well, um, I've also called this, uh, this edition of the game. These reviews are rough. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I have, let me, let me count. I've got one, two, three, four five six seven i've got seven movies each one has two reviews uh each one i'm going to read i'm going to read two reviews for for each movie and you guys have to guess which dog related movie or or movie about a dog uh the review is for (laughs) okay all right right. so are you guys ready i am ready as i'm ever going to be i guess 
Rue betcha. <laughs> all right. Rent roll, Reggie. <laughs> oh, Jesus. It's already started. I, I mean, I can read the reviews in the, in the Scooby-Doo voice. No, no, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> that, that would get old really quickly. Um, <laughs> Res it would. <laughs> all right. First movie, our first review is a two and a half star review. And it says, imagine being the kid who gets cut from the middle school basketball team for a golden retriever. Not sure any amount of therapy could ever reverse the psychological effects of that brutality. Uh, Second review. So let me read the second one before you you jump in. Okay. All right. All right. All right. right. Second review is a four star review. Somehow this franchise evolved into one where talking dogs go to space. What movie are they talking about? Well, it's quite, I mean, it's obvious. It's dogs in space. Uh, Well, it deals with basketball because they said, they said, you know, imagine being the kid who gets cut from the basketball team for a golden retriever. So it's so obviously it's It's white men can't jump. Sure, sure. <laughs> okay, so in all seriousness, it it probably is more than likely the original Airbud. I would also concur. It is the original Airbud, which came out in 1997. Oh, really? Did I not realize. Lot, I thought it was a lot earlier than that. I I didn't realize it was that long ago. I, for some reason, I thought it was in like 2001. Uh, oh, I, yeah. I remember going to see that movie in theaters. Uh, so I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know when it came out, but yeah, I just like the idea of like, yeah, it was kind of this, this really heartfelt movie about a dog who, you know, helps out a middle school basketball team and it's very kind of down to earth and everything. And then just suddenly this franchise evolves into dogs going in space and talking to ghosts and all of the weird stuff that it has become like, what? Oh man. Yeah, they definitely went off the rails with that one. <laughs> they they did. I guess. I guess. You know. And but it you know, good for them though. The the Arabud franchise has sparked, you know, a number of sequels um Too throughout many. its run. Too yeah, many. It, it had a it had a full litter of had a full litter of sequels after that. Oh yeah. Uh, excuse excuse me, I, I screwed that up. Uh someone let that franchise off the leash. Yeah. Oh. There you go. There you go. Where's the rim? You're welcome. You need it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Next movie. This one's going to be kind of difficult, I would think. Uh, So we'll see. So this. I was fixing to read the title of the movie. That would have helped. Uh, (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine, Travis. Just go ahead and give us the title of the movie. Give us the plot synopsis, and then maybe we'll get it right. Yeah, maybe, maybe you'll get it. Um, so this this first review is a four and a half star review. It says one of the best movies about criminal organizations run by dogs set in New Orleans. Oh, you know God. that you, you know that whole genre <laughs> that 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 genre of movies. Just that that genre of movies that is about criminal organizations run by dogs oh, set in New Orleans. Oh God! I mean, I could I could I could name like twenty of them just off the top of my head. 
I must have missed that one. <laughs> the, 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 that's what's great about these uh, this game, Stephen, is um, I pick these from Letterboxd, and people on Letterboxd, they are, they are a whole nother breed. That's what I'm going to say. They're a different breed. <laughs> they are yeah, a different breed. Yeah, they're a different breed. Uh, the the, the four and a half stars is pretty generous. Yeah. Uh, the second review for this movie is uh, it's a three and a half star. I knocked down the point five stars from the rating I wanted to give it because of the racism and the doggy eyeshadow. You know, both of those are just equally terrible and offensive. But the, you know, I don't just remember any. Absolute, I know what this movie is. I know the answer. I know just, the answer, and I don't remember any racism in that movie. Horrible racism, and what's even worse than that, the dog had eyeshadow. Like, ah, uh, so uh, offensive. Okay. <laughs> any guess. any guesses on this movie set in New Steven. Orleans with a dog with eyeshadow? <laughs> And I'm going to let Steven go first. <laughs> I've got no clue. <laughs> like if I had, if initially something as insane as this sounds, I would think something like cats and dogs, but I thought the cats were the, the enemy in that, that movie or that movie series, but dogs that are monsters in new Orleans. I have no idea. I do not know what this is. <laughs> do you know what it is, Michael? Oh, I knew exactly what it was as soon as you said crime, a, a crime syndicate. Is that what you said? Yeah, a, cri- a um, criminal organization. Yeah, a criminal organization. It's all, it's it's all dogs go to heaven. Yes, it is all Get dogs out of here. <laughs> all dogs go to heaven. I quit. No, <laughs> <From> 1989. <laughs> Just, I just love that this person get out of here. What? I love that this this one person puts eyeshadow on a dog on the same level as like racism, <laughs> just like as as just like equal in in its. Like I'm it's, struggling, I'm struggling to think about where the rate, what the racist part of that movie is. Maybe the alligator. I think it's like a like some of the characters might have had were stereotypes, and so that was where it comes from. I haven't seen that movie in forever, so I have no idea. I just wa- I mean, I just watched it. I wa- I watched it a few weeks. I, I watched it a, like maybe a few weeks ago. That's why. Oh, uh, you cheated! You well, cheated I, ahead I of time it. by, by studying. <laughs> you cheated on well, the test by studying ahead of time. <laughs> I, I studied ahead of time for something that I didn't even know was coming. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Um, yeah. I like I, I, that's the whole, like, that's why I call my cat squeaker. Cause you know, she squeaks oh. and, then, and that's, yeah, that that's where squeaker comes from because oh. uh, the little girl in the movie, you know, no, sure. I don't. Cause I haven't seen this movie since like, Oh, you, okay. Well, so anyway, there's a little girl. <laughs> There's a there's a little girl in the movie and a Charlie the the lead actor dog. It's a char it's a it's a it's a Bluth film. Yes. Um, and Charlie calls the little girl Squeaker 
And so that's where Squeaker comes. No one cares about that. Like, I don't know why I'm telling that story. Moving but anyway, on it's, to the next story. it's a good back. movie. Though. It's a good movie. It, it deserves higher than a four. It deserves actually higher than a, well, four is probably, four and a half is probably fair, honestly. You know, if you want to hear a, a related story, uh, since we brought up uh, racism, we didn't know it was in a movie. I had actually watched uh, the live action Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 1990 the other day. Oh, no. Oh, no. There was a line in there that I just kind of tilted my head and was like, was that racist? I think it was. It was when uh, April got jumped in the subway and she looked at the foot and says, what? Am I behind on my Sony payments again? (laughs) And I was like, ah, no. Uh, Okay. Okay. Maybe it didn't date well. I mean, there's... There's a lot yeah. in that movie that doesn't date well, but that's just me. Yeah, it was just like, eh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, hey, fun facts. Racism's everywhere when you didn't <laughs> expect it. <laughs> a cricket back. What are we, eating crumpets? Oh, boy. Uh, Something like that. I haven't seen that movie in a long time either. <laughs> uh, Next okay. one, please. Next movie. Yep. All right. The, the first review for this movie is a one and a half stars. Only one and a half stars. Oh, okay. This film is what ruined U.S.-Mexico relations. Uh, oh, hmm? oh, no. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, the, the second review I have for this movie is a two-star review. Uh, it says, Boo! Thumbs down! Piece of crap movie! Chihuahuas can't talk like that! No matter how sexy they make the Chihuahua, they can't distract me from that inaccuracy. What? <laughs> so, what movie stars what? extremely? Okay, now we're getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> what movie uh, stars extremely sexy Chihuahuas and ruined U.S.-Mexico relations? What? <laughs> oh. I'm struggling to think of any movie that had a chihuahua in it period uh not just a chihuahua a sexy chihuahua a sexy chihuahua according Mm. to this person it's this person who said that not me not me i promise it's this person uh makes you wonder about that person too just just a little bit is it (laughs) uh i mean uh steven any guesses uh, you know, I was going to lean into something like uh, Rover Dangerfield, but then I got to thinking about something more plausible. Uh, and I'm thinking that it's uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Michael, any guess? If I had a guess. You know, sure. Uh, sure. Beverly Beverly Hills Chihuahua. That's, yeah. It is Beverly Hills Chihuahua. <laughs> and I had okay. three to choose from, so... <laughs> uh, yeah yeah they made three of those movies oh my what is the uh, movie um what's the what's the movie with the with the um with the 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 chameleon or the lizard or whatever it is it's set in mexico what's that movie it was it came out like oh, 10 years rango rango yeah. yeah i was th- i was like i was trying to think is there a chihuahua in that movie because that's the only one i that's the only one i kept thinking of no 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 uh, I don't think it's set in Mexico either. I think it's uh it's out west, uh West US. Oh. Uh, like in Arizona or something like that. <clears throat> Cause he like goes to an old west town and you know, and everybody everything's like set in the old west. Yeah. Cowboys. Okay. So that's everything. probably why I'm thinking of that then. But yeah. Yeah, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, yeah, with the sexy, sexy voice of George Lopez. 
uh, you know, that the oh, voice that just, you just want to tuck you in at night. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. To sure. each their own, I suppose. Uh, uh, I mean, whatever gets you up in the morning, guys, like mm-hmm. you do you. <laughs> um, this next movie is a movie I have not seen, but, uh, maybe you guys have. So, um, this, uh, this first review for it is a one and a half star review. It says, you're going to tell me that the dog understood the concept of death and reincarnation and was constantly searching for the meaning of life, but he thought that a hot dog was called a freaking meat log. (laughs) The dog understood. Did you just give us all dogs go to heaven again? (laughs) It's like the dog, the dog understands big concepts like death and reincarnation and the meaning of life, but yet doesn't know what a hot dog is. <laughs> uh, second I review. Don't... Second. Well, hold on. Second review is a five star okay. review. So really, oh, right. really running the gambit. We went from one and a half stars to a five star review of the same movie. Uh, says. Five uh-huh. stars because this movie convinced me my grandmother was reincarnated as my dog. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Gra- Grandma's got to go outside for a little uh, bit. Are you sure it's not the sequel to All Dogs Go to Heaven? <laughs> <laughs> nope. This I mean, is actually a live. Here. This is actually okay. a live action film, not an animated one. Live action film. Okay. So, wow. so this person, this person says because of this movie, he was convinced that his grandma was reincarnated as his dog, which just makes me think, you know, if, if, if you had to take your dog in, if you really believe that your grandmother was reincarnated as your dog and you have to take your dog in to get fixed, that just makes it kind of awkward. It's a really awkward conversation to have. Well, maybe it's, um, Maybe maybe it's Homeward Bound 2. We're going to go with Homeward Bound 2. All right, Steven, you got a guess? You know, I was... I feel like I know what this is. Because something you said in the first review clicked. And for some reason, I just can't access it. <laughs> it's stored away somewhere. but it. Yeah, for good reason, too. And my brain is like, don't, don't bring this back up. What are you trying to access here? And and I'm not sure, but I'm going to go out on a limb, a very far limb that is not connected to any tree and say, look who's talking now. That's actually okay. not a, that's a bad guess. That's not, because, a, that's not a bad, de- that's not a bad guess. No. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis was the voice in that, uh, of the dog. In that holy crap! <laughs> oh no! I th- oh no! I think I know what you're talking about, but now, oh that, wait for oh. for look who's talking now was the Bruce Willis was the voice of the dog in that. Oh okay, uh, never mind then. Yeah. Okay. Um. No, this is a movie from 2017 called A Dog's Purpose. Okay. No, oh, I've not okay. seen it. Okay. <laughs> uh, deals with dogs and reincarnation. Uh, I think it's like a, a dog gets reincarnated oh. over and over again into a different 
dog and he's constantly trying to find his owners to go back to them or something like that. I've never seen it, but I know it's I, it's something like that. Yeah, I was yeah, I was supposed to have seen that at some point, but it just never happened. But yeah. Uh, speaking of old, we're going to be talking about an older movie now in the next one. So that gives you a little clue, uh, older than 2017 okay. anyway, that's cause, uh, a dog's purpose was from 2017. So here's the first review for this movie. This movie is mm-hmm. passion of the Christ, except Jesus is a dog. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> That is a, there's no stars. They didn't give it any stars. They just said this movie is passion of the Christ, except Jesus is a dog. Uh, okay. Okay. So, um, uh, now I'm going to, I want to preface this next review for that same movie with the, Uh with saying, um, this is a, I found it really funny, but if you don't like dark humor, it's probably not as funny as what I found it. So if any listener uh-huh. is not a fan of dark humor, uh, I'm sorry that we're going to, I'm going to laugh at this next review, but I found it hilarious. So that's why I picked it. Uh-huh. Uh, so the next review is a three star review and it says, Quick and painless, just like the end of this movie. Ooh. Oh. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and when you know what movie it is, uh, I found it hilarious. <laughs> but oh, it's very no. dark. It's very I'm... dark. Oh, no. I think I got it. I think I, think I got have it. I think I got it, too. Passion of yeah, the Christ. You stumped me with the G- Jesus is a dog. Yeah, he's... You stumped me with Jesus as a dog, but now, but the quick and painless part has me. I think, I think it's old yeller. That, yeah, that was my, my choice as well. Yes, it is old yeller. Uh, <laughs> Jesus is a dog. How does the first one work? I don't, I'm, I'm still not following that first review. I don't remember <laughs> the dog being a Christ figure in that. No. Okay. So the thing about letterboxed reviews they don't have to make sense. In fact, they don't even have Clearly. to talk about the movie at all. Sometimes they're just places so for people sick. to vent about their day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Jesus is a dog. Uh, Jesus turned the water into uh, Scooby Snacks. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. He, he walks on water just to go and fetch the stick that's out in the middle of the lake. <laughs> now, now we're just now we're just going to sit back and wait for the wait for the Mel Gibson cut of of the remake version of Old Yeller. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! It's such a failure. <laughs> okay. Okay. Whew, compose. Uh, compose. Next movie. Next movie. Uh, the first review I have for it is a five star review. And it says, meatballs have never been more romantic. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) 
What's the second review? <laughs> uh, the second. Okay. So we dealt with racism uh, in the first movie that we talked about, or one of the first ones that we talked about. So we're uh, going to talk about sexism now. Uh, no, we're talking about racism again. Uh, <laughs> Oh, okay. okay. I was going to say, we're talking about, we're going to talk about sexism and patriarchy in this review. <laughs> yeah, okay. no, no. Uh, there were a lot of reviews for this movie that dealt with uh, sexism and patri- the patriarchy, but yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> two and a half stars. People say Disney movies can be racist, and yet this movie lovingly portrays Italians as restaurant-owning romantics who are really invested in getting dogs to bone behind their establishments. <laughs> <laughs> you, know those, you know those Italian guys? They were really invested in watching these dogs hump. <laughs> wow. We don't know their life. I mean, wow. they, they just—they seemed really invested in the in the romantic lives of these of these dogs. Wow. You know, as my as my as my health teacher in high school used to say, you know, just different strokes for different folks. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the original lady and the tramp from whatever year that came out. I think in like the, the sixties or the, no, that no, this is the sixties or the seventies. Uh, I will tell you, 50s, I, I think I, I will tell you in just a minute after I hear Steven's guess. Is that your guess also? Well, I mean, you could be throwing us a curveball and picking the live action version, but I don't remember them having the racist stuff in there. So I'm going to have to just circle back around and go with the animated one as well. So the live action one didn't have the Italians who really wanted to watch these dogs get it on? I mean, it may, it may have, but Maybe. I'm sure they, they tempered it down a little bit, you know, <laughs> instead, where it wasn't so obvious. Instead of having the, the romantic Italian song they just played, Marvin Gaye's Get It On. Uh, yeah. <laughs> let's get it on. <laughs> <laughs> For the, I haven't That's seen the perfect. live action. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was from 1955, the original Lady and oh. the Tramp. <laughs> that movie's that old? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Okay. Uh, And the final film. The final film that we're going to talk about uh, in this Guess the Bad Review. First review. Now, there is some... There is some really weird stuff for for this, so so just bear with me. Um, What's new? (laughs) This is a three-star review. says... There's a scene in this where Charles Grodin is in bed being cuddled and licked by our hero, who he mistakes for his wife and says, has daddy's little girl been naughty? And it's one of the best line readings of his career. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Has daddy's little girl Mm. been naughty as he's being licked by the dog? (laughs) Oh no. Okay. What's the next one? Uh, The second review for this movie is a one star review. The plot of this movie is a criminal steals a dog so he can test his gun by shooting the dog in the head because dogs have the perfect thickness in their skulls for shooting. I'm not joking. That's the plot of this movie. That's awful. Um, Steven, I'll let you go first. Old Yeller again. I mean, I never thought about it like that, but wow. (laughs) It's Old Yeller again. perspective on it, man. (laughs) Uh, This sounds like Beethoven 
because Charles Grodin, I can't think of another dog movie he was ever in. So I got to go with Beethoven. Yeah, it's it's Beethoven because I can picture that scene in my head now. <laughs> it's Beethoven. It is Beethoven from 1992. I did not realize that is the plot to that movie. Oh, it's that the plot to that movie is really effed up. <laughs> Just, little, yeah, it's it's really kind of effed up. I need to I need to test my gun, so let me shoot this dog in the head. <laughs> Just, what? Good lord! What? <laughs> oh, sweet Jesus! Okay. Uh, yeah, has Daddy's I don't think little we, girl been I don't naughty? Think we were, I don't think we were keeping score. I don't think. Oh lord! <laughs> There's your cold open, Travis. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, okay, never mind. I was going to make a joke about racism and white fang, but whatever. Uh, yeah, no. Um, I think we all win. Um, you know, like dog Jesus would want us to be all equal and, and, and kind to each yeah. other. So I think we all win in a way. We all win. Yes. <laughs> the, the way that dog yes. Jesus speaking would of, want us. And speaking of winning. And and speaking of winning, speaking of winning, I don't even know how to transition out of that. Uh, we speaking of dog Jesus, we have a movie to ca- talk about this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we usually ask a trivia question that hints to what our movie is each week. But because it is our 100th episode, I decided to, instead of asking a trivia question that related to the movie that we're covering, I wanted to ask people, what has been your favorite moment or episode of Kaiju Weekly so far? I'm sure a lot of people are going to regret commenting and not putting Dog Jesus or uh, (laughs) some of the other weird (laughs) things that we've talked about today (laughs) this might be some of your favorite moments um someone okay really quickly before we get into these someone please as you're listening to this sketch us i'm looking at you nick black nick blackler sketch us a picture of dog jesus dog jesus just oh man yeah have you seen the meme that's going around not meme but just picture going around of the toy the 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 toy packet that's uh godzilla versus jesus yeah, oh yeah that's like a really mm-hmm. old toy though yeah. yeah and so now now it's just going to be godzilla versus dog jesus <laughs> 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 oh man okay so some of the answers that we got for your favorite moment or favorite episode well before we before i read some of the responses uh do you guys steven and michael have a favorite moment or favorite episode of kaiju weekly of the last 100 episodes Dog Jesus. Dog Jesus. Dog Jesus. Did you already do a Dog Jesus episode and you didn't tell me? Oh, I wish. Dog Jesus. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Steven, do you happen to have a favorite moment or favorite uh, episode from, from Kaiju Weekly? I mean, I don't want to be biased, but I mean, those first 10 were rock solid from what I remember. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know what my favorite, my favorite episode that we ever did, me and you, Steven, was mm-hmm. the, the giant claw. The giant claw. Oh, no. the giant claw. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, like, 
like we we I mean we had fun recording our episodes, but mm. we were we were talking about movies that we liked up to that point. But that movie was so ridiculous and we just had so much fun making fun of that movie that it really was just some of the most fun I've ever had on this podcast was, yeah, was talking about absolutely. that with you. It was really great. Yeah, that was such a, I don't want to say memorable. Um, <laughs> the conversation was memorable. How's that? Yeah. That, that's at least, you know, I can give credit to something that good that came out of that movie, but uh, I, I don't want to really give it to the movie in general. Uh, but yeah, no, that was a good one. Yeah. It was so much fun, really fun time just, and, and, you know, not to get too much into my personal life, but, but at the time that we were recording those episodes, I was, I was really sick. I had a very, I was uh, really sick with a bad infection. And so I was really struggling to do anything, do, do whether to record or, or even just to get up and, and out of bed was difficult. So having that episode and having so much fun really just was a highlight for what was a really tough time that I was going through at that time. And mm -hmm. I just, I really appreciate that we were able to have so much fun while talking about that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some of the responses that we got. Uh, so our friend Elijah, uh, sent us, of course, the thing that he likes the most about our podcast, uh, the Yeti nipples. Uh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, I think my favorite part is the amazing chemistry between uh, Travis and Michael. I always find myself laughing and smiling while listening to an episode. Thank you for the joy you've put into the into the world. He said into the word. but. The you know, in the beginning, the word was dog. no, 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 in the beginning, the word was woof. Um, anyway, um, thank you, Elijah, um, uh, for sending that. Uh, our friend Ben Magnet from the Fake Nerds podcast uh, sent us, he said his favorite part was when uh, you guys, talking about me and Michael, came on to the Fake Nerds podcast and when, when we went on to your podcast. That was a blast. It was a blast, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We had we had Ben, we had Brandon, and we had Ryan all on the podcast uh, at different episodes. The only person from the Fake Nerds uh, podcast that we haven't had on this podcast yet is Sparks. Uh, we need to get Sparks onto the podcast at some point because we've had three of the four hosts. We need we need to get the fourth one. But it was a lot of fun. Had had a blast talking to. Uh, all three of those guys and and having them on the podcast they are so much fun and and Ben if you're listening to this episode you're still on the schedule to come back and talk about some more uh mech stuff because we need to talk about some more mech related things possibly Gurren Lagan all right moving on to Nathan's response uh, Nathan oh, said good, good old Nathan. Good yeah, old Nathan. Nathan. Uh, he said I could be egocentric, which wouldn't be new, 
uh, Nathan. Which uh, wouldn't be out of character, that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, Nathan. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was an easy target, so we we had to take it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but he said I could be egocentric and pick any of the many guest appearances that he's made. Uh, but he said, I'll go with two episodes that stand out for different reasons. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the movie episode, which was episode 66. Uh, it has my all-time favorite spirited debate between Travis and Michael. Poor Kaiju Kim. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that was that was when we got into the fight over Jurassic Park, <laughs> which is funny because that episode comes it came out after we had already covered Jurassic Park on the podcast, and then we get into a fight on the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers mm-hmm. episode about Jurassic Park. <laughs> right, right. But well, it it stemmed it stemmed from it stemmed from like one of our longtime listeners, Chris Degelman asking us a question about uh, how we would classify a kaiju movie, which I think is going to come into play in this conversation later on, but how we would classify a kaiju movie. And he gave Jurassic Park as an example. And then it just kind of spiraled out of control from there. Yeah. (laughs) Still really, really fun, fun times. Uh, Nathan's second choice is the Daimajin episode, which is our most recent, uh, one of our most recent episodes, episode 98. Uh, Travis did his homework and presented information even I didn't know when I did my episode on the film last summer. I might have been a bit jealous. So, yeah, that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite episodes we've done uh, so far. Like, I know we, I know we taught, we, we, typically don't take ourselves too seriously, but I think we, we did a good job with that one. Yeah. I, I really liked, I really liked that episode. I think the conversation was good. The episode was fun. Uh, everything just worked out with that one. And so, yeah, it, it, it turned out really good. Um, speaking of Kaiju Kim, yeah. Ka- Kaiju Kim said, obviously the best episode of this podcast is when I locked you guys in the basement and took over hosting duties with Kaiju Hime and Lisa Nafziger. <laughs> that was that yeah. was kind of fun yeah that was a that was a fun episode yeah uh not being locked in a basement with you because that got a little bit weird after a while but yeah the other part was fun yeah uh just uh she said but really anytime you guys put out a new episode it sparks joy for me i hope to come on the show again soon and give nathan and elijah and elijah a run for their money as guest hosts uh <laughs> keep up the awesome work and yes we definitely need to have kaiju kim on more often uh and then moving on giant monster bs sent us uh, my favorite part was when Travis had a hunch that Michael put a bomb in his car and in a suspenseful scene, he gulps, then decides to chance it and start the car. The car starts only for Michael to jump up from the back seat and strangle Travis with a shoelace. That was, <laughs> that was a really weird day. Why did you do that, Michael? I, I, I was, I hadn't had my Wheaties that day. Oh, okay. That, that's understandable then. Uh, <laughs> and then lastly, we have from Nick Blackler, one of our favorite listeners. 
he says, probably impossible to pick a favorite episode. There have been so many that have not only made me laugh out loud, but also had me think or thinking or looking at a giant monster movie in a new light. The chemistry between you two is hard to match, not to mention the interaction you guys have with your fans slash friends, because that is what it feels like. A bunch of friends hanging out and talking, sharing opinions and listening to others in a world of trolls, gatekeepers and just general buttheads. It is nice to have a community within a community that is humble, inviting and accepting. So thanks for being a major part of that. Thanks for making excellent content. And thank you, Travis and Michael, for being you. Keep it up. Thank you, Nick. That was very heartfelt. We appreciate that. But no, honestly, if I had to, like my favorite, my favorite moments, if I, if I honestly had to pick my favorite moments of the podcast are when we get good or a good or just any audience participation, because it shows that we're actually doing something that people value. So it's hard for me to pick a favorite episode because I'm partial to everything that we've put out. Like we've had some hits and misses here and there. We've had some episodes that we've not been super excited about. And then we've had some episodes that we've been really excited about how we've done, but really it's the audience participation and and the friends we've made along the way that have made it worth it. Yeah. And not to correct you, Nick Blackler, but, um, he said, uh, we don't have any trolls, gatekeepers or buttheads on this podcast. Well, we have one gatekeeper, (sighs) On the podcast, I, you gotta do it. I don't it. know who you're talking. You gotta, you gotta I, do no, the thing. No, no, you, I'm not gonna do the thing. Dance, monkey, thing. dance. I'm not gonna do the thing, Travis. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, that leads us into because <laughs> that was a good. That would have been a good transition into our main topic because. Uh, what is the one thing that Michael is the most gatekeepery about? Our main topic this week is Clifford, <laughs> the big red dog from 2021. You know, we had to do it. We know, you know, we had to do it. Listeners, we could not, could not reach 100 episodes of the podcast without covering Clifford, the big red dog. In this movie that came out this year, this week, even the week that we're recording this podcast, uh, was directed by Walt Becker. It stars Jake Whitehall, Darby Camp, Tony Hale, Sienna Gilroy, or Guillory, or however you say that, uh, David Allen Greer, Russell Wong, Kenan Thompson, John Cleese, And it was dedicated to the memory of Richard Robinson, the former CEO of Scholastic, who died uh, earlier this year, June 5th. And the plot breakdown for this movie is what, Michael? The plot breakdown is a little girl is left to her own devices by her lazy uncle and magic and meets a genie who uh, steals a dog and puts it in her backpack. The dog happens to get bigger due to some weird uh, warlock magic and uh, some chaos ensues where the dog runs around town and takes dumps and digs up things that he shouldn't be digging up and acts like a typical dog because it is just a regular old dog, but just bigger. Um, And some evil people want to do experiments on the dog. There's a whole theme about animal experimentation. I don't know. I think they work for a shampoo company. Um, and at the end of the at the end of the movie, they 
there's this moral uh, there. They take the moral high ground and the little girl gets to keep the dog and everyone lives happily ever after uh, scooping up ginormous mounds of poop. Could have said it better myself. <laughs> they're in New York. You, they're, they're, they're in Harlem. Yeah, you, you definitely have to scoop the poop. You can't just leave that poop around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely scooping they're definitely scooping the poop. Um I'm wondering if they had to rent like a backhoe or something to scoop all that poop. Uh question before we get into our opening thoughts. John Cleese in this movie. Is he an angel? Is he a genie? Or is he some kind of weird interdimensional demon? I think that he is a warlock, but that's just me. I mean, I didn't get genie vibes from him because she didn't exactly make a wish. It was more like it was thrust upon her. So, I mean, the warlock angle could definitely, uh, I could lean more in that direction. But, uh, you know, evil demon, you know, he's like, hey, I'm going to create chaos. And this little girl would be perfect for chaos. So I'm just going to drop this dog into her bag and let's see what happens. And then just disappear. So, <laughs> hmm. yeah, that's a he's tough one. He is definitely an an agent of chaos. Like like he, he plays as an old oh, yeah. as a as a lovely old man, but he is like he steals this dog and then just drops it in her backpack, makes everyone believe that she has stolen this dog, doesn't give any give her or her mother or her uncle a choice in whether they want the dog or will keep the dog. Just mm-hmm. and then he like manipulates the police at the end it, it, it i i yeah like i don't know he he is definitely an, mm-hmm. an agent of chaos po- quite possibly now my opening uh, i guess we're gonna do opening thoughts but yes opening thought my opening thought when i watch when i watch when i watched this movie like five minutes in and I, I thought to myself daggone it they're gonna make me care about this stupid dog aren't they <laughs> <laughs> doggone it yeah, like within the first five minutes, your heartstrings are already being pulled at. So, okay, here we are. Like, uh, but this is a it's a wholesome, by the numbers family adventure film. There's nothing too groundbreaking about it. There's nothing offensive about it. It's just it it, it does what it needs to do to 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 make you feel for the characters. I mean, there's really not much else to say there. Uh, Steven, what are your opening thoughts? Well, I would I would definitely agree to the uh, paint by number element to it because it feels like a studio film for kids made by committee. So there's a number of things you have to do to make this movie. And we've seen this movie time and again you slap whatever narrative you want on it, whatever cute character they're trying to sell this time. It still kind of falls within that. But like you said, it's, I mean, there's nothing overtly bad about it. It's just, if you've seen one, you've seen them all at this point. And that's kind of how I felt about it because I knew there would be, you know, the obligatory, Oh, we got to feel bad for it. Oh, there's danger. And then up fart joke. Ah, we got one in there. Three matter of fact. So it was, Typical fare, what you expect for family films today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my opening thoughts. Um, it's not a good movie. I I will say that. I, it's not a good movie. But I did have fun with it. 
Like I, I, it, it's, it's harmless. And like you said, Michael inoffensive. And I think that, yeah, it's, it's fine for what it is, but I, I feel like cinema in general, movies in general have moved past this kind of like trope of, Oh, you know, uh, uh, unique animal creature helps a family and is uh hunted down by uh evil businessman who wants to exploit them for some purpose like i mean you know you could say something like harry and the hendersons you could say something like uh uh what we talked about beethoven how beethoven like, like this is essentially the same movie that we have seen over and over and over again just with a different slap of uh, a different coat of paint on it this time it's painted bright red and mm-hmm. I, so i feel like that trope should well the trope has mostly died down like i haven't seen that trope or that type of uh, story being told as much lately I, it seems like it was more popular in the 80s and 90s. And so, in a way, this movie feels like a throwback to mm. movies from that era. Like we said, Beethoven. This this is, you know, like feels like a, a throwback to that kind of era of, of movie making with animals and dogs and stuff. But that also is kind of one of my biggest problems I have with this movie. And we'll get into some of our specifically, you know, our likes and dislikes, but, but ultimately like I, I just, my opening thoughts are like, I, I don't know. I, I, the, I feel like while it's, uh, while it's fun and it's, and it's, you know, harmless, I also think that it could have been better. Yeah. I mean, there's like a really, there's a really nostalgic element to it because you're right. It does feel like one of those er, like late nineties, early two thousands family adventure films. Like if this, if you dropped this same movie back 10 years ago, I feel like you get the same result. Like there's nothing, there's nothing groundbreaking. There's nothing new about it. Probably the only thing that would be slightly different is, um, is like maybe the the focus on social media, you know, breaking the story that there's this large uh, 50 foot or how, I don't know how, or 10 foot dog running around New York city. Like that's like, that's the only thing that may slightly be different because 10 years ago, I feel like we weren't as reliant on social media for our news and updates and life stuff. So that's, probably the only thing that that would, that would change. Other than that, everything else feels just very by the numbers. And it's, it's not, it's not by the numbers in a bad way. It's just very by the numbers. Yeah. Um, let's get into some, some, uh, details now. Now we, we on this podcast like to do our patented. The patent is no longer pending. We have it patented. Uh, positive. Are we sure about that? Are we sure about that, Travis? Yeah. I'll double check with our lawyers. Uh, Our positivity sandwich. We'll call Raymond Martin. Our positivity sandwich where we we talk about the positives, 
then we do some of our negatives, then we finish on some positives. So let's talk about some of the positive things that we found in this movie. Uh, starting with Steven, what are some specific positive things that you found in this movie? Well, I mean, the relationship between Emily and Clifford was uh, wholesome. It was nice. Uh, I mean, you definitely kind of feel that she has a connection to them uh, to, or they have a connection to each other. And it's very typical of what you would expect from a child and a dog. Uh, nothing about it seems harmful in any way. I mean, it, it just seems like a good, wholesome relationship between uh, a kid and their dog. And uh, I really appreciated that. Um, Clifford himself, I mean, I guess when we're talking, you guys were talking about uh, the time period, it, it definitely has a, a 90s feel to it. But the CG that they are doing here is definitely not something they would have been able to do back then. I would have really dangerously curious to know what it would have looked like in the 90s, but it's probably for the better that we don't know. Uh, but he always looked good. He never felt I, I, that uncanny valley that you're always hearing about where they look just a little off. I always kind of felt like even though it was a CG character, it was a very well done CG dog. I mean, it looked like a dog. Yeah. It acted like a dog. So I, I can commend them for a, a job well done there. Um, yeah, I'll just did leave it, it there. <laughs> did anyone else think that Tiny itty bitty Clifford puppy looked completely different than ten foot tall Clifford yes. puppy. Did anybody else? Mm-hmm. Did anybody else notice that? Yes. Yeah. The little one. The little one was basically like they they took a, a model of an adult dog and just shrunk it down. So his proportions were wrong for a puppy. Like because because mm-hmm. puppies uh. don't have the proportions of a full grown dog. They they're disproportionate because right. they grow into some of their features and so he just looked odd his head was too small his paws were too small he just he looked wrong as a as a small puppy and then when he got bigger they actually like cartooned up his his proportions a little bit more giving him a bigger head bigger right. eyes and everything to make him look more cartoony and in, in, you know uh, and so, yeah, yeah, I did not like the way he looked as a pu- as a little one. I liked the bigger version. Um, so some of the positives that I found, one of the positives I found in this, uh, I- I'm sorry, my my op- my my first my my first note that I have written down in our notes uh, the, for this movie is the little mutant hellhound got left behind. <laughs> Um, so so, yeah that was that um i really liked all the characters at least well not the evil businessman but but like the whole neighborhood there all the harlem uh people who lived around emily elizabeth who she interacted with all of them were like they were extreme kind of caricatures but in a kid's movie, I like that. I like that they all had like personality quirks and little things that made them unique. And they all had just their own little thing that was the, that made them kind of a weirdo. But that was kind of yeah. the point because the whole theme of this movie is standing out and being weird makes you unique and, and can where you can change the world uh, is kind of the theme of this, this whole movie. So having all of the characters that she interacts with in Harlem that live near her and work near her, uh, where she lives, they all 
being kind of on oddballs and, and weirdos too was just kind of fun. And I really liked all of them. Yeah, that's kind of the theme of this movie because they even said it earlier. Like I think even said it within the first fifteen minutes of the film. Like it's the it's the people who are different that change the world or something like that. That's mm-hmm. the running theme of this movie. Like yeah. our differences are what make us unique, and our differences aren't necessarily a bad thing. And that, I mean, that's a really, I mean, honestly, as far as like uh, kids' messaging goes, that's as safe and as as you know, good and as, uh, I don't know, palatable as you can possibly make a kid's movie. And it, mm-hmm. you know, this kid, this kid's movie does have some lessons to teach children. I mean, they're just very simple, like embrace others differences. Uh, it's okay to be different. Um, you know, life is messy, etc. Don't trust your lazy uncle to watch you, uh, because you might win wind up with a 10 foot dog in your backpack, you know, lessons that kids, all kids should learn. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, don't, don't your, your weird uncle who lives in a van, maybe not the best person to, to babysit. Um, <laughs> I mean, no, not really. No. What did you guys think of the humor in this movie? Uh, Steven, I'll let you take this one first. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I got, a few chuckles here and there, you know, nothing, you know, gut busting laughter. Uh, as I kind of said before, when they throw in those little jokes for kids, the fart jokes, look, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a prude and say that I've never laughed at a fart joke. A good fart joke is a fun fart joke. Hey, but in kids movies, yeah, but in kids movies, it always seems to be that situation where it's just like, Here's a situation. We need something to happen. Uh, fart. <laughs> and the kids sitting there. Oh my gosh, it stinks. And they're just so ill-timed mm-hmm. that I just don't find them humorous. It's just kind of a gag that they're throwing in just because. So, and, and the movie seems to be littered with, with those type of kid humor. Like you have adults who think, hey, kids think this is funny, right? And then they just throw in moments like that that just don't land properly. But yeah, on, a, on occasion, there would be a, a moment or two where it'd be like, oh, yeah, that was kind of funny. Yeah, it, it's potty humor. Like yeah. the, the scene this, the scene where Clifford, you know, takes a pee on the nearby tree and it splashes and it splashes on people. I mean, that's mm-hmm. it's cheap potty humor. Uh, it's effective, cheap potty humor, but it's just cheap potty humor, sure. which I don't have a problem with that. But, you know. It's not the most, it's not the most gut busting, like you said, tra- or, but like you said, Steven, it's not the most, uh, gut busting slap your knee funny. It mm-hmm. just, it's, it'll give you a chuckle though. Sure. So here's the thing, the, the, the gags that they threw at us, like you said, uh, uh, Clifford peeing on the tree and then some of it splashing on the uncle, um, the fart jokes, things like that. I didn't find super mm-hmm. funny because like you said, they're, they're kind of like they, they're ill-timed and they're, they're kind of like, Oh, this is what kids find funny. We're going to throw this out there. And this is just, you know, it's just like there for, for no reason other than to try to make you laugh. It's like, they're trying too hard, but mm-hmm. the actual like comedy between characters, just talking to each other, like some of the humor between the like the the jokes that that people are saying like the in the dialogue actually made mm-hmm. me laugh more 
And there's a few of them that just really made me laugh. Um, I, I think when John Cleese is first introduced uh, and he's in there seeing all the animals in his, t- in the tent. And uh, they say, is that a, is that a miniature giraffe or a long necked hyena? I won't know until I tell a joke. <laughs> Like that made uh, me laugh. Yeah. That made me laugh. And then it turns like, out it, it turns out it was a long neck. It was a long neck hyena. Yeah, yeah. Because later on he tells a joke and the hyena starts laughing and he's like, hyena. <laughs> it's like, like that, <laughs> that made me laugh. And, and there's a few mm-hmm. times now I will say that, uh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I will say that the, the, the gag with the ball, the whatever I cannot it, the name of what they're actually called escapes. Me. Yeah, but those inflatable giant, balls that people are mm-hmm. inside. Yeah, right. Yeah, I can't. They have a the name. Human but I hamster can't, balls. I can't really <laughs> think of it. Yeah, some. Yeah, the human hamster balls. That gag. Although we got to. Although we saw it in the trailer, we saw it coming. I mean, it still made me laugh though because it was really funny. Because it was it's situ it's situational comedy like that that makes me laugh. Not necessarily you know, forced jokes. Although the, the giraffe and the hyena joke was actually really funny. Yeah. Well, see, that's why I say, I think that I think the situational humor in this wasn't as good as some of the dialogue humor, some of the actual like uh, jokes of, of characters mm-hmm. talking, you know, there, the early on mm-hmm. there's the neighbor and he's a comedian by trade and i can't remember his name but he had his own show for a while he's a stand-up comedian but he's a uh, magician russell peters i think is who you're talking about uh um, yeah russell peters i think okay. is his name okay and yeah he uh he, he wanted to be a, a magician and he was fighting with the with the lady across the hall from him and oh, he makes yeah, the yeah, yeah. they make the joke of mm-hmm. you know what i'll do if i become a magician and she and emily elizabeth's like make her disappear no i'll saw her in half and it's just like that was that was funny yeah Mm. so little things like that there's a there's a point in the in the um in the movie where uh emily elizabeth says to her uncle somehow i thought you'd be better in a crisis and i'm just like what what about him says he will be better in a crisis and then he turns around and says that like something along the lines of what gave you the idea that i would be good in a crisis (laughs) (laughs) it's like so i don't know i liked those i think i think the dialogue writing in this like the actual script writing was done very well or if it's all if a lot of it is ad-libbed which a lot of it did feel very ad-libbed they did a really good job with their with their interactions i thought that humor was better than the actual clifford doing weird stuff that that is supposed to be funny, but I didn't find as funny him swallowing the or, or uh, going to lick the smaller dog and end up uh, <laughs> sucking him up into his mouth. Uh, him wanting to sniff the smaller dog's butt and all of those types of things just wasn't as funny as I think they were expecting it to be. Mm. Or the just the, or the, some of the dialogue. It's like when they're sitting around at that table, they're eating hamburgers and. Uh, one of them comment. Uh, I think it's the maid that comments. Oh, he, he like he, he eats like an animal. And the uncle says, yeah, he's a dog. And it's like, no, I'm talking about you. Right. He's got yeah. This whole mess. Of, he's got this whole mess of fries and, and hamburger mess around him. And like, you know, that kind of stuff was mm-hmm. was, was kind of funny. The little um, the little kid. Yeah. What was his name? The, the little kid um, from, her, from her school who he was hilarious. I thought he was really Owen. good. 
Owen. Owen. That's it. That's yeah, yeah, right. Owen. 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 I thought he was really funny because because like when when they're driving and she and he's like even I know two hands on the wheel and then uh then later on when the uncle shows up uh and he says something about them driving and he's like you're telling me my butt hasn't unclenched yet (laughs) (laughs) and and like so so like the dialogue is hilarious but the actual like sight gags are are not as funny you know and it makes me wonder and and i'm not 100 percent sure who the writers and everybody on this movie were but i'm i'm curious when you have such an imbalance of humor like that, where some stuff is just like so spot on and so solid, and then you have sight gags and, and stuff that just seems uh, out of place compared to those type of, you know, solid humor like that, it makes you wonder if they had a, a very good script, but maybe it wasn't child appropriate. Uh, maybe it just, it teetered a line, like even though they, they were very aware of what they were writing, Maybe the the content was just a a tad over a child's head and they were a little concerned. So maybe they tempered down a lot of that stuff and it gets, you know, sometimes we get those gems from a better script, but they had to tone it down, you know, overall for a family audience. Yeah, that's a possibility. Or I wonder if it could have gone the other way of it. The script was kind of dull and full of all these, like, you know, the, the bad gags that we were talking about that weren't as funny and these actors are just really good at at improv and ad-libbing that they were able Mm. to tell these jokes and do funny moments without needing the script to tell them to do it i I wonder yeah i wonder which which way it goes because it could be either one we don't we just don't really know but something right something was wrong on one end and something was stronger on the other end. And we just don't know which one it is. Um, so now I guess we can get into our dislikes, uh, talking about some of the negatives for this movie. So, uh, oh, okay. Do you want to talk a little bit about some of the negatives that you guys had, whichever one of y'all want to start us off? Evil businessman who feels like every other evil businessman in every other movie that ha- that requires an evil businessman. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really wish it was not in this movie at all. Like, I think this movie uh, from for the whole first what quarter of the movie where before the mm-hmm. businessman's even introduced was strong right. enough that you didn't need to add that into this. Like just having mm-hmm. Emily Elizabeth dealing with the struggles and the, and the um, conflict at school and her internal conflict of feeling uh, like she doesn't fit in and stuff. That was strong enough of a premise. You didn't need to add this whole other plot element of uh, an evil business wants to experiment on Clifford to find out what made him big so that they can, you know, do stuff. And, and it's like, and, and they tried to soften, I guess, soften, the businessman a little bit by saying oh well he's trying to work on uh you know solving world hunger by making you know bigger food but then they just kind of like made him so horrible and unlikable that it's like well okay if that's the kind of people that are working to solve world hunger do we want to solve it? It's like kind of ask that kind of question. <laughs> if, if right. like, why, 
why why i just don't know i don't understand <laughs> and it, and it's not and it's not really anything against tony hale because tony no. hale's a good actor right like he's yeah. uh in i really like his character in arrested development um but it's just the character itself that was just so cringy Mm-hmm. Just so incredibly cringy. Honestly, to me, this this whole movie should have been just Clifford is a big dog and they're just trying to figure out how to live a normal life with a 10 foot puppy living mm-hmm. in New York City, which is an already cramped city to begin with. But one one thing that I was kind of interested in that never got explored was um, what is her name? Um, it's. Um, I don't think she has a name in the movie, but the receptionist, it's the woman played by, what is it? Uh, Rosie, per- is it Rosie Perez? Is that her name? She's been, oh, in a lot yeah, of- yeah, 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 uh huh. Yeah, she's been in a lot of other movies, but anyway, she's like, she's really familiar with the situation about like, um, you know, Mr. Bridwell, and she's like, oh, yeah, I know Mr. Bridwell. He helped my friend, he helped my friend get a, he helped my friend with a, uh, a parakeet or something like that. I honestly, would want more of all these magical animals or these animals that uh, Mr. Bridwell had magically transformed into more useful versions of themselves or more magical versions of themselves. Uh, I really wish we'd have had more exploration into that. Like a and not magical uh, Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. <laughs> Like a yeah. like a cross between Doctor yeah. Doolittle and Mary Poppins, or what I like Mary to call Mary Poppins, or like yeah. I, like what I like to call Mary Puppins. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a weird amalgamation between Doctor Doolittle and Mary Poppins would have been perfect, I think, for this movie. But it's just okay. So the evil businessman is there to be evil and businessman like, and yeah, sure, it works, but. Yeah, I, and that's I, not I even a plot that's in like Clifford ever, like in the, in the cartoons, in the books. And there's never like this evil businessman who wants to exploit Clifford. They're usually just dealing with everyday stuff of, you know, Clifford being big and how does that impact, you know, people's lives or, you know, how does Clifford make friends? How does Emily Elizabeth make friends when she's got such a weird dog? And so I don't understand why they had to add this whole other thing. Like Clifford's not interesting enough on its own. It would have been. I think this is one of those. um, I honestly feel like this is one of those studio interference uh, Mm -hmm. moves where they needed a face for the bad guy. So they could have, if we want to go back to that original theory where maybe there was a better script out there possibly. And it could have been a lot more personal kind of the story that you were talking about, Travis, where it could have been about him trying to, to make it in New York and everybody having to deal with what it's going to be like with him being there, not having the evil businessman, but the businessman gives the bad guy face. Now we've got somebody we can be like, well, this is the bad guy of the movie point blank. We don't have to have any nuance to anything. We have a face. That's it. Boom. And there you go. There's your bad guy. And it's really not necessary. Right. It honestly would have made it honestly might have would have made much more sense. And I uh but and I hope this makes sense, but to make the city of New York the bad guy. Sure. Basically yeah. like to make like the, the the city, the city government of New York the bad guy, like you have this ten foot dog and they're like, No, you can't have this ten foot dog in this in the city of New York. 
uh, because this 10 foot dog is a nuisance. And then the story could revolve around and because they have lawyers, like some of the friends in Harlem are lawyers. They could have like the, the movie could have ended with uh, them going to court to fight for the right for merit for uh, Emily Elizabeth to keep Clifford. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's how it could have been instead of this whole like gene splicing uh, scientific mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that would have been a much better plot point. And in the, well, I, I don't know. I don't know how it is in the books, but I know in the cartoon, the PBS cartoon, the story is starts with them, uh, like Emily Elizabeth and her family moving away from New York because Clifford is too big. So it's like mm-hmm. the movie could have ended with Clifford not actually getting like them not winning the court case or not winning the thing and them having to move. And it, then it, then it leads into the story that was in the cartoons, which was Clifford living uh, in an, on an Island. Uh, I forget which Island it, it, they moved to like, I think Rhode Island or Massachusetts. I, I don't know where they moved somewhere else. And uh, where it's, it's been so long since I've read the books. I have no idea. Yeah, it's been so long since I've watched the cartoon even that I, I can't remember. But but yeah, like they, I just, yeah, the, the, I, I agree with you, Stephen. I think this was studio interference because it feels like some old man who was in charge decided that, oh, kids aren't smart enough to understand the complexities of just trying to live their life or kids won't be interested in that story. So they, we, we have to put a bad guy in here for kids to boo at in the theater. Mm. And it's just like, no, no kids are smart. Kids, kids deal with everyday life and everyday experiences that you could have drawn from that have nothing to do with, you know, you know what kids don't have evil businessmen chasing them down, trying to steal their pets. (laughs) (laughs) You could have, you could have treated this like a middle grade story, like a middle grade reader story. Mm -hmm. And I think it would have been fine. And it's, I I think that you don't need this. you, You don't need this sophisticated, um, this sophisticated, like evil business science, evil, con- evil corporate conglomerate uh, wanting to capture Emily Elizabeth's dog so that they can clone his genes to figure out what makes him so big. That to me is way too com- That is more complicated than what this movie needed to be. Well, it's there not is so only is much, it, and this is, I can not only is it more complicated, but it's also dumber at the same time. Yeah. Sorry. I cannot believe that you are making me defend this movie, Travis. <laughs> I cannot believe you're making me defend this movie. But um, there, there is so, and I, God help me for saying this, but there is so much wasted potential in Clifford the Big Red Dog. There the is. There you know, really I'll even is. go a step further and, and argue uh, – to both of your points where you're saying this could have been a much better movie. Take a look at a movie like Paddington and its sequel. I mean, these are based on books. They're children's movies. Paddington was a very charming movie. Yeah, exactly. These are well-made movies that didn't talk down to children. They didn't try to do anything uh, by the numbers. They did what needed to be for that narrative and made it work. And they stayed true to the narrative. So it, it proves that you can do that. 
Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Although Paddington did have an evil businesswoman who was trying to hunt him down and capture him, but but that's <laughs> beside true, the point. True. That's, that's beside the point. <laughs> you you did make right, a really good point. Still make it work. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. I mean, it's like look at the look look at the number of of Disney and Pixar. And date and um um what is the one the daydream not do, oh, not DreamWorks. Oh, DreamWorks DreamWorks Dream mm-hmm. thank you Stephen the the number of DreamWorks films that we've gotten in the last like five to ten years like they could they had so much potential that they could have that they could have worked with to make this an actually good heartwarming movie now I'm not saying this movie is not heartwarming it's not charming it's not sugary sweet uh candy goodness because it is but. You know, it's also very empty calories because I think there's a lot of wasted potential here. Yeah. And that's one of the things I like about Pixar movies, most Pixar movies. I won't say all of them, but most Pixar movies is Mm -hmm. they take small stories and just tell those small stories in big epic ways. You know, the idea of Toy Story is just Mm -hmm. a toy who wants to stay uh, being the favorite and doesn't want to be forgotten by his owner uh you know and then you have um uh inside out who which the baseline story of inside out is a girl is going through depression because of moving to a new area and moving away mm-hmm. from all her friends like that's the story of that you know the story of cars is a of the first cars is a a famous celebrity gets stuck in the middle of nowhere and has to learn how to learn humility like these are just small concepts that are told in big ways and i think and and, you know and and, uh uh what's the one with the mermaid uh the the fish boy that just came out um Recently. Oh, Luca. um, Luca. Yeah, Luca. Luca. Yeah. Luca. Yeah. And how that so many of Pixar's movies are just these small personal stories. And you could have told a Clifford story that was a very small and personal story and made it appeal to kids. Um, and they just didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and, and you know, one of the things that really is a shame. So much of this movie is dedicated to, like, like I said, the movie is dedicated to the memory of Richard Robinson, the CEO of Scholastic. They even have one of the, I think the lawyers are the Scholastic, uh, the, like they have Scholastic in their business somehow, or, or one of the businesses is named Scholastic. Um, uh, I, I don't remember. I, I don't remember exactly, but I remember hearing Scholastic, Scholastic, I'm getting, can yeah. you say Scholastic, you, you know what I mean. Scholastic. I remember, he, I remember hearing that word in this movie. And yeah. I cannot remember what context. It's, it it's one of the stores or one of the, one of the places that's right there by Emily Elizabeth's, um, uh, uh, Brownstone that, that, uh, is named Scholastic and then Bridwell Bridwell himself is named after the creator of Clifford because the, the creator of Clifford is Bridwell. So, so much of this movie is dedicated to the memory and the love that they have for the original stuff, but then they just stomp all over the memory of the, of the original material by doing something that was never done in the original material. And, even though, like you said, Michael, the the uh, the story is more complex by they added some a new layer of complexity to it. They also that also makes it dumber 
because it's now instead of it being about a girl who's trying to fit in now it's a a girl uh it's good versus evil essentially is what it is mm-hmm. so it actually dumbs it down to a more black and white type thing instead of making it like, more complex and like, emotional like why not explore like why not explore more of and this is another problem i had with it like why not explore uh emily elizabeth having a hard time in school having a hard time making friends oh and then the people and then the kids at school find out she's got a 10 foot puppy you know that obviously will make her some friends um you know or you know in the reverse like the mean girls that they tried to you know give Mm -hmm. us in this movie the bullies the quote-unquote the bullies um you know, have them say, oh, your dog, you're just using your dog to make you to make you cool because mm-hmm. uh, you're just such you're just a nerd trying to fit in or something like yeah. that. And then like make and then wrap this movie up, wrap this movie up in a bow and center it around the concept that I think they tr- that they wanted to do. But due to studio interference, they didn't quite get there. Wrap it up in a bow and make it about celebrating our differences. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think that would be a good little, and that's a good message to give to kids, like celebrate our differences. Yeah. I mean, but and, instead and, and they the, had to make it about evil businessman, good versus evil. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, I think it actually dumbed it down instead of making it more complex. It dumbed it down and, and you don't have to dumb things down for kids. Kids have, you know, kids can handle mm-hmm. complex ideas and and emotional stories and like i said the 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 more nuanced kind of telling uh telling smaller stories in a more nuanced and complex way is the way pixar has been doing their movies for a long time and Mm -hmm. they're they're successful and kids love pixar movies so why not do that i don't know yeah um anything else uh steven that you want to talk about while we're doing our negatives while daisy rubs her uh, up against the microphone here <laughs> i was wondering if Davey, daisy was bumping the microphone yeah daisy's bumping no, the microphone I, no i i mean you guys have pretty much hit it all on on my head the nail on my head I, I don't have anything to really add to it uh, that i haven't already oh, okay um, do we, do we want to wrap, do we want to wrap this positivity sandwich up with some more positive? Cause yeah, yeah, you know, I got, I got at least one. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's finish off on a few positives and then we'll get into our, our, uh, scores and our final thoughts. Did, uh, really quickly before we get into our positive, did anybody else catch the after credit scene? No, I didn't know uh, there was an no. after credit scene. Yeah. There's an after credit scene. So, uh, so it's basically uh, Emily Elizabeth hears a knock at the door and they open the door. It turns out it's Dwayne, the rock Johnson and Dwayne is curious if uh, Clifford wants to play with his friend, George, you're pulling our leg. I'm, I'm being, I'm being deadly serious right now. What? All right. What? Sorry. No, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> Michael, <laughs> so you all you 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 had me because I thought you were going to say that that like the the Rock wanted Clifford to like join in with like Hobbs and Shaw, but <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Uh, somebody, a friend, somebody, somebody told me that joke earlier today, and I just had to use it. I'm sorry. Uh, that's right. The big gorilla in in Rampage was named George. If I remembered the gorilla's name, I would have caught on a lot sooner. But I didn't remember that was the name of the gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, a little bit of dad humor there i'm not even a dad <laughs> uh so i liked the in the just insane murderous sheep that was in this movie for some reason oh yeah <laughs> <clears throat> oh that sheep was hilarious and apparently i didn't know sheeps i didn't know like i didn't know sheep uh like sweet and condensed milk um everyone so, likes okay. condensed milk <laughs> everyone likes sweet and con- actually it kind of reminds me of, uh my mom used to use sweet and condensed milk all the time when she was baking because she loved that stuff like the carnation sweet and condensed milk mm-hmm. all like there was tons of that there was tons of that stuff in our house <laughs> Uh, yeah, like if there was anything that any positive that I took away from the, the weird business science man that wanted to steal Clifford, it was the sheep, the just weird murderous sheep that just was just insane. <laughs> like I liked that part, but everything else I didn't care for, but that part got me, made me laugh. <laughs> yeah. The, sh- the sheep definitely made me laugh on honestly. The CGI didn't look half bad, uh, at least like for Big Clifford. Like the CGI for Itty Bitty Clifford looked awful. Like they mm-hmm. could honestly, they could have just taken some, um, taken some animal safe, some animal safe dye, dyed a puppy, and used that. They they really could have just they could have just taken a regular dog and just in in post production made him red. And, and yeah, yeah, but that's neither here nor there. Like other than other than like the nightmare fuel that is that tiny itty bitty Clifford, like the CGI didn't look terrible. I love that the the tiny Clifford is the one that's the like this nightmare fuel, not the giant one that can like eat your head, <laughs> <laughs> like bite your head off. No, <laughs> I don't know. Like the the little bitty the little tiny Clifford was giving that pigeon a run for its money. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it was. It was. That was the only part I liked about the about uh, small Clifford was was uh, when he fought the pigeon for that little piece of food. That was cute. <laughs> Everything else I didn't really care for. Uh, for the little yeah. for little one, but but yeah, the big one. I think they did a good job with the CGI. He had enough personality without being too anthropomorphic. Like he was anthropomorphic in the sense that he, you know, he had uh, facial expressions and stuff of like human and yeah, you know, of being like they're more human like. But he still mm. he was still enough of a dog to be to not break the reality yeah. that this movie had set up. Yeah. Um, sure. Stephen, do you have any uh, other positives that you just even little small positives that you wanted to mention? Uh, I, you know, I could actually give a lot of credit to the cast. I mean, everyone here was capable. There didn't seem to be any weak links that uh, really stand out. I mean, they're doing what they can with what they've got, and they're all doing a great job. I liked. I mean, like you guys mentioned, Tony Hale earlier. He's he's always solid. Whatever he's doing, despite his role here just being 
a very typical one note character. He does it well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jack Whitehall, uh, being the uncle. I mean, he's, I mean, he was pretty funny. He, He got a few chuckles out of me. Uh, I liked seeing uh, veteran comedians and actors in here, like uh, David Allen Greer. It was nice to see him. Don't see him a lot anymore. And Paul Rodriguez was a big shock to me because mm-hmm. he was somebody I remember growing up with uh, in the 80s, and I couldn't tell you the last time I saw him in anything. So that was kind of a treat seeing him there. Uh, but yeah, I, I felt like the cast did pretty good. And obviously I can give a, a lot of credit to John Cleese because he was just owning it every time he was on screen. No, I mean, John Cleese is a national treasure. Oh, yeah. 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 John Cleese is, is great. Uh, I, I think he did a good job uh, in here. He's He was good. He was lovable and likable. Um, not uh, very different from his real world personality, but, you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah. but, uh, not not a very lovable, likable person in real life, I've heard. Uh, but uh, but he, he did good in this movie. Hmm. for sure um yeah so i guess now's a good time we can move into our final thoughts and our godzuki scores so for anybody who is new to the podcast we like to rate our movies out of five godzukis instead of five stars or anything like that because we like to embrace the sillier side of giant monster movies and giant dog movies uh and yeah we can uh, uh we can give our scores and also our final thoughts. So starting with Steven, what are your final thoughts and what is your Godzuki score? Uh, Clifford was a movie that had a lot of potential, but did not uh, see its potential uh, come to fruition because you had filmmakers who either were pressured to do things they shouldn't have done, or maybe the people just didn't quite understand the material. And it was just, uh, Hey, it's a movie about a big red dog and that's all we need. So it's a little, not that I had high hopes for this film. <laughs> just say that up front. I'm just saying it could have been better. Uh, but as a man who has watched his fair share of kids movies, uh, because you know, I got kids and I have to sit through some of this trick. I'll at least give it a three out of five saying it's okay, you know, for, for what it is. I've seen worse, but I've definitely seen a lot better. All right. So you give it a three out of five. What? Godzukis. You, you got to sing the song, Stephen. I know you've been. You Godzukis. Been... There it is. <laughs> there it is. I know you've been away for a while. But but you got you got to sing the song. I, yeah, you... I'm a little rusty. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> uh, I'll go next. Um, I have my final thoughts written down like I normally do. Um, usually try to do uh, just so I can try to be more concise. Uh, so here are my final thoughts. Uh, I said this movie feels like a relic from a bygone era of family adventure movies. It would fit right in with things like Airbud, which we talked about earlier. Uh, sea spot run or hotel for dogs even uh, in a way that makes the movie strangely nostalgic, but also hugely outdated at times. I feel like cinema as a whole has moved past the lovable creature helps a family and is hunted by a greedy person who wants to exploit them trope. Uh, that trope, you know, had seemed to all but die out yet. It is alive and strong in this movie for some reason. 
there's a lot of cliches that, that detract from the enjoyment of this film. Uh, we talked a lot about the unnecessary evil businessman subplot. That's that's really the thing that detracts from it the most. But overall, this movie is harmless and charming. It's a harmless and charming family film with mostly likable characters. Uh, the movie managed to make me laugh and was entertaining. And really, that is the ultimate point of movies in the first place, which is to be entertaining and it entertained me for the little bit of time that I watched it. Uh, and that way, Clifford was a success. But I'm still going to give it two and a half Godzookies out of five. Because, yeah, it just, it, they squandered so much of, the, of its potential. And Michael. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, it's a completely serviceable kids movie. Um, I never thought in my, I never thought in a million years I'd sit here and want to defend this movie, but I'm going to defend this movie and say that it, it is, there is so much potential that they could have done with this movie. I think that there, I think this movie is by the numbers, just like we've, like we've all said, uh, it is a, by the numbers family adventure film with a kid protagonist and her dog and her animal best friend. I mean, that's basically the the long and short of it. Um, it's serviceable as a kid's movie. It's not perfect. It's not the best kid's movie I've ever watched. Uh, it does not live up to the uh, status of, say, Pixar or even DreamWorks or anything that Disney's putting out. But it is completely and utterly serviceable. My biggest gripe with this movie is, of course, is like we've all said, it's missed potential. Like there was so much there was so much potential for this movie that just did not come to fruition. And, um, but, but it still made me care about the character. Uh, like I said, the first five minutes, like I said to myself, they're going to, they're going to make me care about this darn dog, aren't they? And they did. They, they, this movie made me care about the character of Clifford. Uh, it's, it's completely charming. It's harmless. It's sugary sweet, but again, it's also empty calories. So for that, I'm going to be a little bit nicer than Travis and give it three out of five Godzookies. And there you have it, folks. Michael thinks it's a kaiju movie. And moving on to the next. Whoa, 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 whoa. The next segment of the podcast is the mailbag segment. Uh, what's the next segment of the podcast, Michael? Say it. It is the mailbag. The mailbag. Clifford is a kaiju. <laughs> what's in the mail today? And if you want to have your letter read out on the on kaiju weekly on the podcast you can send your letter to kaiju weekly at gmail.com or tweet us at kaiju weekly on twitter and we will read it out we love hearing from you guys please continue to interact with us please continue to send things for us to read out on the podcast uh like 
Chris Degelman, one of our favorite listeners who interacts with us a lot on Twitter and uh, through email. So we really appreciate uh, Chris's interaction with us. Uh, he sent us a letter to our Gmail. He said, hi, Travis and Michael and Stephen. Uh, he didn't know Stephen was going to be on this episode or he would have included it. Uh, the <laughs> the mostly destructive interactions between monsters and landmarks is something we monster fans love to see. King Kong climbing the Empire State Building, Mothra building her cocoon on the Tokyo Tower, Gorosaurus bursting out of the ground beneath the Arc de Triomphe. Wait, wasn't that Baragon? I thought that was Baragon. Baragon it. No, no, no. Baragon in name only. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Clover throwing the Statue of Liberty's head around and Zilla getting roasted in the Sydney Opera House are some of the most iconic scenes of the movies they are in. Sadly, most monster attacks in movies concentrate on the same handful of places. Uh, yeah, can't tell you how many times we've seen the uh, Golden Gate Bridge destroyed at this point because they just really like attacking San Francisco. Uh, and so Chris Degelman asks, which city should get a visit from a kaiju and which building slash landmark is long overdue to get wrecked by a monster? Or at least which city or landmark should be wrecked more often? As always, keep up the good work and thanks a lot. So, uh, let's start with Steven. Which city or landmark do you think should get a visit from a kaiju and should be wrecked more often, maybe? Hmm. I don't know. Let's see. What haven't we seen before? Because I'm trying to think of some very specific landmarks that we have not seen destroyed. I mean, without without sounding too political, I mean, the Kremlin looks like a good spot. Um, there could be you know, knocked over a couple of times. And I would be okay with that. But, uh, you know, I'm just, just stating a, a landmark that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kremlin's a good one. I think that's a, I, yeah. I think the problem that you run into with this is you, it has to be something recognizable. Like why does the Statue yeah. of Liberty constantly get destroyed? Well, because it's recognizable to both, you know, homegrown and international viewers. Everyone knows what it is. So that's why uh -huh. it gets destroyed. But if you get like a, a Sears tower is kind of, it's recognizable to people from a certain area of the U S but like, you're not going to most international listeners may not, or, or viewers may not recognize that. And so it's like, Oh, it just destroyed a building. It doesn't really mean anything. So yeah, uh -huh. that's the problem is trying to balance you know, something that's recognizable and iconic, but you don't mind being destroyed. So, yeah, the Kremlin's a good choice. Uh, what do you think, Michael? Has the Taj Mahal ever been stepped on? I don't think so. I mean, it's a pretty famous building that hasn't, you know, seen any kaiju action. Uh... I'm literally looking at landmarks here, but just to make, <laughs> uh, I'm, I literally had to Google landmarks just to see what was out, just to see what was out there that had not been stepped on. Um, well, I was going to say big Ben, but Gorgo. Yeah. Um, uh, Notre Dame. Yeah. Okay. No, no, Notre Dame could be a good candidate for, uh, you know, some atomic breath being spit upon it. I don't know. I, I, I 
we see the like the same old buildings get trampled in these like Tokyo Tower has been knocked over so many times that I'm surprised that they even try to build it back at this point. Um, Same with the Statue of Liberty. They're just like they're iconic. Those buildings are destroyed because they're iconic and they're iconic for a reason. So I don't see a time where we're not going to be destroying those buildings. If we're going to if we're going to go with uh, if we're going to go with uh, ones that haven't been featured in a monster movie, you know what? Taj Mahal, Mount Rushmore, uh, Notre Dame, uh, I don't know, the Vatican. Hmm. Hmm. But would you recognize the Vatican just like in a monster movie getting crushed? I don't know. I think maybe you would have to be told it was the Vatican though. Yeah. I mean, the, the Vatican does have some very, like unique buildings but like i don't know if just if everyone would recognize the vatican um maybe i mean there are a lot of catholics out there so may they at least the catholics would recognize it hmm. yeah um i think uh i think we've we've seen the arc de triomphe uh destroyed but we've never seen as far as i know we've never seen the eiffel tower attacked by a kaiju so why not have the the uh, Eiffel Tower? You know, we, we've had Tokyo wasn't, Tower a few times. Wasn't the Eiffel Tower knocked over and destroyed all monsters by Rodan when Rodan or no, Rodan was in Russia. Yeah, Rodan That's was right. in Never Russia because because the, the one that was in France was was uh, Gorosaurus, a.k.a. Baragon, uh, who right. was destroying the Arc de Triomphe. Uh, so so uh, that. Yeah, I don't think we've seen the Eiffel Tower get maybe maybe in Destroy All Monsters. They also had the Eiffel Tower in it. I don't really remember, but I, it just seems like the Eiffel Tower doesn't get a lot of uh, kaiju knocking it over. Um, there's a lot mm. of movies set around the Eiffel Tower, but not like kaiju movies. Um, another mm. one that I thought of uh, and I went blank on. Hold on. Let me think. What was I thinking of? Uh, Mount Rushmore was a good choice. I think that's a good one. Um, oh, oh, uh, in one of my favorite landmarks, I don't know why I blanked on it, but one of my favorite landmarks that I would love to see more of, but probably not as recognizable to foreign uh, viewers is the Gateway Arch in St. Louis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could see, you know, I could see something wrapped around it with its tail or uh, Kong swinging from it. I mean, yeah. Imagine like uh, a giant spider like Kumanga just building a web in between the, the mm. two legs of the arch. Yeah, that would be really cool. That would be, real- mm-hmm. that would be really interesting. Like, you're right, because there are some I think there are some underrated. Um, there are some underrated landmarks here in the U.S. that that are long overdue for uh, for some devastation. So, yeah, I think I think the I think the arch in St. Louis is one of them. Yeah, yeah, the Gateway Arch is, I, I loved it. The, one of my favorite vacations I ever took was to St. Louis. Uh, went up inside the Gateway Arch uh, and, and everything. It's it's a it's a really fantastic looking uh, and, and very unique kind of uh, structure that I think would be really interesting. And, you know, I mean, we talk about how like a lot of the, a lot of these monsters are attacking iconic buildings, but that's not necessarily true with King Kong in 1933. Like the empire state building had become famous 
just because of the during its construction, because it was competing against the Chrysler building. But when King Kong came out in 1933, the Empire State Building had only been finished for like two years or three years or something like that. It, it, it was, yeah. it was a fairly recent building when King Kong yeah. attacked it. And, and King Kong is kind of one of the reasons why M- the empire state building building became an iconic symbol of New York. I was going to say that King Kong made that building famous. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Cause I think the building still would have been famous just for being, you know, the tallest building in the world and the tallest building in New York for so long. But, uh, but I think that King Kong made it internationally famous. Yeah. I don't even know what, I honestly don't even know what the tallest building in the world. I think it's the one in India. Now that's the tallest building. Yeah. It's the, um, was it, uh, is it, is it the Berg, uh, Berg Khalifa or, or whatever that, um, that really tall one is that, that Tom Cruise, climbed in in mission impossible yeah something like that Mm -hmm. yeah that really that i think that's still the tallest building in the world right now but yeah uh so no i yeah i for for me i the and just for personal reasons because it is one of my favorite landmarks it would be the the uh gateway arch in St. Louis. But yeah, I think, you know, I think we had a lot of good options. The Kremlin, uh, we said Mount Rushmore, uh, Notre Dame, all of those are, I think would, would be really good seeing, seeing Notre Dame, like burning and stuff in, you know, with a Kaiju behind it because of the Gothic architecture would be really striking. Like I'm picturing like mm-hmm. the scene in uh, um, King of the Monsters with uh, Ghidorah when he lands on the mountain and there's a cross it kind of in the foreground and you get that striking yeah. image. Imagine something like that with a with a huge kaiju in the background and then a burning Notre Dame in, in the foreground with that really angular, sharp, gothic texture or uh, architecture. Just yeah, that's a, that would be a striking image. Or even, um, or even like a winged kaiju landing at- on on top of it, similar sort of like one of the gargoyles resting on, resting on the on on the building itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something like that would be cool too. Yeah, so yeah, there are some really good options. Um, listeners, if there is a landmark or a city that you think uh, would make a good place for a kaiju to attack and and destroy in a movie. Uh, send them in at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter. Uh, we might make that a, a question that you guys can send in and we'll read out your answers on the podcast. Cause I would love to hear what other people, especially people who are not from the U S uh, what your, what your city or, or, or city you would pick as an iconic place for, for a Kaiju to attack, uh, you know, like in Canada. Cause I, cause I was thinking of like Canadian, uh, cities well toronto is the first one that comes to mind but there's not any like I, in my mind there's not a lot of iconic buildings in toronto that would be hugely recognizable if a city if a if, if the city was destroyed by a kaiju so yeah there's that i think there's that um it's it looks similar to it looks similar to the the tower in seattle 
but there's a, oh, there's yeah. a building in, I think there, yeah, there's the a building Space in Needle Toronto that's type like that. Yeah. 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 It's, there's a building like that in Toronto, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. So, so I would love to hear from, from listeners, uh, what you think, uh, would be a good city or landmark for, for a kaiju to destroy in movie, in a movie, not in real life. I mean, if you want it, I mean, you know, sounds like Steven was kind of wanting it a little bit in real life too, but, uh, <laughs> I mean, Hey, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not against the day that a giant monster comes out of the ocean. Uh, I will be terrified, but equally excited. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. It's, you know, if it destroyed a few, a few landmarks, I, I, I might be okay with that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, that, uh, kind of closes out this episode. Um, usually this is where we would ask a trivia question to hint to what we're covering next week, but we're actually not going to have an episode next week. We're not going to have an episode for a few weeks, actually. Um, so we've mentioned it on Twitter, but we haven't mentioned it on the podcast, but uh, this year, this, this season of this podcast, which you know has been, from January to now has uh, been really fun, but we've also missed a few episodes. If listeners have noticed here and there, we've also kind of like struggled a little bit to maintain our weekly schedule uh, this year. And yeah, we've had a lot of things that just came up in our real life. We've had a lot of things that's just been happening. That's been kind of making it hard to maintain our weekly schedule. So we're not going to go to a different schedule. We're not going to make this podcast monthly. We're not going to make it biweekly, uh, at least not as far as we know. But we've decided to take a break for a little bit because we we kind of want to take a vacation for a couple of weeks. Uh, so we're going to take a break here with this 100th episode. And our 101st episode will be the first week of January. So from now until January, we're not going to have any new episodes, but there's also going to be a few bonus things that we put out. There's going to be, you know, we're going to be interacting with people on Twitter. So we'll still be around, but uh, yeah, we're not going to have any new episodes for, uh, for just, uh, I think what, four weeks is what it's going to be. Michael. Uh, yeah. But about four weeks. Yeah, we would we typically around this time of year would take like a two week break or something like that to get us through the holidays. And then we come back fresh in January. But, you know, Travis and I talked about it. And because of this year has been so hectic in a, in a good way, in mm -hmm. a good way, in a lot of good ways. We had the magazine debut this year. We've been focused on that. Uh, you know, Travis has been busy with his own passion projects and, you know, work and things I've been, uh, my uptick at work has been, uh, has been steadily increasing. So I'm, uh, struggling to, uh, find time during the week to do even things that, that I find fun, just like this podcast. So, uh, I think it's, we talked about it and just for our own mental health and for our own, uh, just to create more margin in our, in our week and throughout this holiday season, I think we're just going to take a little bit of a break. Like Travis said, we're still going to be around and we're still got, we've still got other things that we're going to be working on, um, you know, passion projects and whatnot, but, uh, Kaiju weekly is going to go on a little bit of a hiatus and we will be back the first week of January with, uh, Travis, do you want to 
do we do? Do you want to go ahead and reveal what the theme for January is going to be? Yeah. So the theme for January, we are calling Draganuary. Uh, not because we're going to do the podcast in drag, uh, but because we Wait, uh, we're, we're not. Did, we're, we're not. This is not going to be a live show in drag. Michael, did you already buy the dress? I told you. I can. I neither told co- you. I, I can. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that I already bought the dress. Uh, okay, Michael might be in drag, um, but but we uh, we're actually going to be covering four dragon themed movies so january is all dragon themed we're going to be talking about some dragon movies so look forward to that when we come back in january yeah and before we sign off here i just want to mention just one more time uh how much we appreciate our listeners and how much uh we are grateful and thankful and blessed to have y'all that listen and have had every one of you guys interact, especially uh, one of them always comes to mind is Nick Blackler. Thank you, sir, for all the fun memes and drawings that you've done for us. Uh, you know, guests that we've had in the past, like Kaiju Kim, Jack, and JR from the Drift Space. Uh, of course, Nathan and Elijah. Uh, that rivalry will continue in January. Um, and of course, the guys from the Fake Nerds podcast. Um, the wonderful people over at record all monsters, Robert Kelly and his wonderful wife, Courtney, mm-hmm. um, finding monster, right. We also had the guys from finding monster, right. Mm-hmm. Finding monster, right. And of course, last but not least, Steven here. Thank you so much, sir, for, for coming on, uh, on our final episode of the year, uh, for episode 100, I could think of no better person to come on and, and celebrate this milestone with us. And we just really, really appreciate you. Again, I, I thank you for the uh, the opportunity to come back and celebrate this with you. It means a lot. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 well, it definitely means a lot to me. Uh, I said early on in the episode, but it means a lot to me to have both of you guys here uh, for our 100th episode because, you know, we, I, I tried doing this podcast. That's the lost episodes are, you know, me experimenting with trying to get this podcast going. They didn't really work out. So, I would not be doing this at all if it wasn't for Steven, you stepping up and saying, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll be your co-host and, and, uh, and we can get this podcast going. And, and then, so, so without you, this podcast wouldn't exist at all. And, uh, Michael, without you, I would have ended the podcast a long time ago. Cause I would not have been able to carry the podcast on my own. And you've helped me continue on even after, you know, Stephen had to step away. Uh, So without both of you, the podcast wouldn't exist. And it is such a huge, just important part of my life that I really appreciate you guys being a part of it and and always going along with my weird brain stuff that I do. <laughs> I like to call it eccentric eccentricities. Yeah, my I always say my brain is like a runaway train, and you're either on board or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, I mean I I will say thank you, Travis, for the opportunity to do this. We've been doing it for two years. Uh, you and I, honestly, uh, this podcast has gotten me through some pretty dark 
stuff that I've had, like some pretty dark life stuff that I've had to deal with in the past uh, couple of years. You know, lost my parents, lost my mom in 2018, but this is before, that was before this podcast. Lost my dad in 2020, uh, and then some other life stuff happened in 2020, and this podcast has really helped me get through that. Uh, it's given me an outlet to get through that, and I just really appreciate it. I really do. I sincerely appreciate you and. And yes, you are eccentric. Yes, uh, sometimes can be very exhausting, but I love you and I appreciate you. Look, I'm exhausting even to myself. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I tire myself out. Uh, Anyway. Uh yeah. Well, so, now that we're done, now that we're done loving on each other um, for a Steven, little bit and loving on our listeners, do you want to <laughs> tell everyone uh, where people can find you? Sure, absolutely. Um, if you want the easiest, most direct contact, go to pencilpaperproductions.com and you'll find everything that I do. Uh, but if you just want to uh, check out the podcast, just search Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. I know it's a mouthful, but like I said, it's easy. Uh, you can find it anywhere you find your podcast. So if you've got a very specific platform that you prefer, it should be there. So just look up Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo or just type in Super Mega Crash, make it easier for you, and 10 bucks it'll show up. Nice. And yeah, we want to thank... Uh, Thank you again, Stephen, for being a part of this. But we also want to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends for the last two years, for the last 100 episodes. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly. All the links to our social media, as well as for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group, are listed in the description of this episode. You can send questions, comments, or answers to our trivia questions to our email at Kaiju Weekly, or not at Kaiju Weekly, Kaiju Weekly at gmail.com, at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter. Uh, a big thank you to everyone who has supported Kaiju Ramen Magazine so far. We are hard at work on issue number four, our last issue of the year. We're a little behind schedule, but it is getting done, and we should be putting that out by the end of this month. So look forward to that. The last issue of the year, but not the last issue ever. We are continuing on more about that. Uh, Just the last issue of the year. Yeah. And you'll find out more about our future plans for the magazine in issue number four. So make sure you don't miss it. And if you want to find out more about uh, the magazine and everything to do with that, you can check out the website, kaijuramenmagazine.com. And we also want to thank the terrific Taylor Ward, the uh, nonchalant Nathan Marchand, the almighty Alex Cornette, the uh, devastatingly handsome Damon Noise and Shijir for supporting us on Patreon. If you want to help support this podcast and get some nice bonus content from time to time, check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Kaiju Weekly Pod. 
And one more time to round out the year on episode 100, there is one more thing that you can do to help support this show, and that is by going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. And if you do that, we promise we will read that feedback on a future episode. What that's, and what that's going to do is that's going to put this show in front of other kaiju, togasatsu, and giant dog movies that aren't technically kaiju movie fans just like you. It's going to help us grow. It's going to help us uh, ring in the new year in 2022. Um, and, you know, honestly, just just do it. If you like us at all, just do it. And we would love you for it. And we thank you sincerely. Yeah. And for the 100th time, help control the giant monster population. Have your definitely a kaiju Cliffords spayed or neutered. Actually, I noticed something in that movie. Um, it looked like Clifford was already neutered, or at least his balls hadn't dropped yet. Clifford had no balls. <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> what, what's, what's, Bye guys. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Clifford, you ain't got no balls. <laughs> <laughs> I know that Gump. <laughs> Has Daddy's little girl been naughty?